Hello, and welcome to Therapists Talking Therapy. Thank you for downloading our podcast. My name is Nicholas Rose. And I'm Martin Weaver. In today's podcast, we're going to be looking at the coronavirus, particularly about our reaction to the government alert levels, how as therapists we deal with change, how we deal with trust between ourselves and ourselves and authority, our responsibility in our reactions to the wearing of masks, and then we'll reflect on the amount of information that's coming in, the speed in which it's coming in, and the time in which we have to process that information. We hope you enjoy it. So I I suggested that it would be useful and interesting maybe to talk about uncertainty and the coronavirus in terms of uh, the restrictions changing and easing and uh, how people can find their way uh, during this time. Mm-hmm. How has that affected you? What, what have you noticed in your own behaviour? Are you talking personally or professionally or both? So many areas of life, I suppose, that people are finding are affected from, uh, from their social lives and family lives. Uh, to their work, uh, work life, if they're parents, the school lives. Mm. Uh, so, so all all aspects of of life. So, I was thinking of, uh, I suppose we start with ourselves and how we are in ourselves, our relationship, I suppose, to the current situation, how we feel about, uh, well, how we feel uh, about life at the moment. And, and, and then what comes up for us in terms of those particular aspects of life. Uh, and I guess whatever comes up for us is where our priorities lie. Some people may be thinking a lot about going back to work. Whilst for others, it may be about reconnecting with family and friends. Okay, so let me um, think about my decision professionally to start with. Hmm. And I decided that at the end of June, I will decide whether to see clients in person or not. Uh, and I'm coming to the conclusion at this moment, which is midway through June, mm. um, or towards the end of June, that I probably won't see clients until August. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I appreciate that's going to be uncertainty for some people, or continued uncertainty. But it provides safety for me and my family. Hmm. Well, today is, um, I, I, just as we were spe- speaking, then it occurred to me that today, uh, when we're meeting, is, is the 19th of June. Yep. And this morning was an announcement that the, the, the government were able to move us from level four down to level three. Mm. Uh, and so that means that uh, I think what the wording is something about the virus is now in general circulation. So there's lower risk. So I, I suspect that that means there will be some other announcements due imminently. Yes, and, it says uh, here, sorry to interrupt, it says here, the five stages, uh, the five, number five is risk of healthcare services being overwhelmed, so that was lockdown. Four, transmission is high or rising exponentially, so social distancing, distancing continues, that's mm. where we are. Three viruses in general circulation, gradual relaxation of restrictions. Two is number of cases and transmission is low, minimal social distancing, enhanced tracing, 
and there's a whole issue about tracing. And one, which I don't think we'll ever get to, COVID-19 is no longer present in the UK, routine international monitoring. If we did that for HIV, for instance, we're still not at one because HIV is present in the population. And yeah. we've dealt with that, well, we're dealing with that uncertainty. Do you feel more confident and do you think your clients feel more confident in this move from four to three? Well, as we're talking about it, I, I was thinking about how when all of this started, um, I was ill <laughs> myself. I had pneumonia um, and uh, I still don't know if it was coronavirus. I think it. I think there's a pretty good chance. I haven't had the test yet. But uh, I think the combination of my own illness plus everything that went on outside in society. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm sort of thinking about how I'm looking at myself and the rest of the world. But, um, but uh, I went into a phase of doing things one day at a time, one step at a time and not looking ahead. And I, I find that I'm still not looking ahead. So in terms of, uh, I'm not thinking of a date to start up as yet. I've ended up doing things as and when they felt appropriate for me. Uh, mm. That may be because I was very tired after I was mm. ill. So maybe it's still the case that uh, I'm, I'm get, gaining strength or energy. So that, that, that means that, yeah, maybe for me, it's um, more a case of I'll know when I'm ready. And does that, do you think, demonstrate the difference in our approaches or, dare I say, models and our therapeutic ways of working? Because in, from a constructivist neurolinguistic perspective, irrespective of coronavirus, when clients come to me, one question I'll ask them is, well, what do you want? Where, what's the direction of travel? So I'm always looking ahead a month mm. in anything. Yeah. And therefore preparing for or imagining what or thinking how things are going to be or might be or I want them to be in the future. I get ill and I think, okay, when's this going to be over? Mm. You know, I can have enjoyment experience, enjoyable experiences in the moment, everything from intimacy to you know, watching a TV film, and that's fine when it comes down to more life plans, uh, then I am looking ahead to what I hope and intend will be degrees of success in the future. So I was smiling when uh, I was thinking that uh, when we've talked about things, that this difference uh, reveals itself that, that we, we have, uh, that uh, uh, saying around structure and um, and uh, forward-lookingness, mm. <laughs> um, I guess. So um, yes, I, I like to uh, operate in the in the moment and make decisions in the moment. So what yes. happens when your when your clients? I mean, what I've had to learn, of course, mm. is to be in the moment and to trust the process, the therapeutic process, and to mm. go with my clients. And yet, there's always a bit of me that hits or that sits on the outside, just saying well yeah but what about next and what about the rest of it and how does that fit into what the client has just said or said some time ago and what they actually want mm. and I guess I've yeah I've had to learn 
to acknowledge that and yet be with the client in that moment. So I'm wondering how you deal with clients who have anxiety, which is defined as worry about a future event. Um... <laughs> this, this is a bit that you'll have to edit. Because uh, what was I thinking of? I was thinking there. Well, I, I was picturing myself in the room yep. with someone for the first time, mm -hmm. uh, and and that's where I was. That's where my thoughts were when you asked me the question. Because I always start off uh, asking people how it is they've come to see me, mm -hmm. uh, and so. Yes, the starting point is how it is they're there, not necessarily what they want from it. That, that, that might then be a question that, that follows. So what is it that you want to achieve from meeting with me? But it, it also might not. Um, yeah. Have you noticed that in the last two or three months, there's a, a, an imbalance or a change in the focus? Of what your clients are asking or a change in the focus of the way you're presenting oh yes yeah, so to um to, to to know how we are to know how i am uh, oh. when i meet with people i've thought about that of course because of my own situation as well and my looking at things a, a step at a time for myself and i think i've noticed that people are wanting to look more at the the day-to-day, the moment-to-moment, the moment, uh, not necessarily looking so far ahead. I don't think that's guided by me. <laughs> uh, I thought I've looked out for that. But I suppose that's been my experience with, uh, with my, my clients, is that they are looking uh, more at the day-to-day -day issues, not looking so far ahead. Uh, and that we've had different conversations, conversations about uncertainty which is saying we talked about previously mm. and uh and also change yeah have you noticed just to shift this focus slightly on and this might be a delicate subject to talk about about colleagues and how they're dealing with this change um i was sent an article from the new yorker which talks about the uh, the theatrics of the new theatrics of remote therapy and how some Therapists are having great difficulty in the change from seeing people together in the same room to now seeing them remotely and therefore getting new information, different information, i.e. what's behind the camera, or rather what the camera is showing behind the clients. Yes. And how people are having to, to work mm. and deal with that difference. And that's not so much uncertainty, I suppose, but as um, a new experience. Yes. Yeah, change. The, yeah. The, how therapists are dealing with the change. Um, yes, I found it. Ex I found it. I, I must admit, I found it, uh, although a horrifying time in, in in many ways. The 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 opportunity to work differently has been exciting for me. I've in, I've very much enjoyed um, seeing in people's homes and see and, and knowing there's different information. And also learning uh, as the profession learns. I've uh, I've done so much training 
since all of this happened, I felt really energized to to do training, but also to join in with conversations with others about what they're experiencing. And uh, yes, I've noticed for some people, they they've focused on what's being worked on with people, whilst other people have focused on what what it's been like for them uh, as therapists. Mm. Sometimes it seems almost as clear cut as that as to where the focus is. So, yes, I know at first I was on some peer uh, type meetings, and the range of the range of the range of views, or the range of perspectives, or the range of directions from which people were coming from, I found really quite intriguing. And I noticed, I suppose, that there were some groups that I felt were really helpful for me and others which I didn't connect with. Mm. So that was quite that was quite interesting, really, to um, to have that experience. And, and yourself, because you, you spotted this article in the New Yorker. Actually, it was sent to me by a client, which is interesting. Right. And it talks about how the change is coming, or has come, mm. and... Therapists who are so used to being in control mm. in person suddenly find themselves having to think about things differently. And a parallel to that, there was an article, um, again, in the United Kingdom Council for Psychotherapy, talking about framing your online presence. And in some respects, and because I wrote a comment saying we shouldn't de-skill ourselves, mm. a lot of my work online has developed experientially you know, 15 years ago work online and, and people kind of wouldn't touch it yes uh, i remember phoning somebody in 1978 so phone lines i've been used to for ages um and then i began to work online with various clients in different countries and it's curious that lots of the information that's coming out i'm kind of thinking well absolutely and yet i see you can go on courses mm. to be taught how to be an online therapist and I think, think I said in one of these things that actually we shouldn't de-skill ourselves and that actually after a while the technology melts away mm. and it's the relationship that develops and the difference therefore shrinks. And, and maybe we've had this kind of trauma at the beginning of, or the end of March, beginning of April, the lockdown. That's shaken people up mm. and now we're into a different kind of setup, which as you pointed out, how do we get back into that phrase that pops up every now and again, which is the new normal? What I've been thinking about is that it was as though online was a poor relation. Yeah. That it, even if you didn't work primarily online, it was almost a compromise because meeting in person wasn't possible. Uh, and, and my sense was that that came more from the profession yes. than from clients themselves necessarily. Yeah. That it, it, if we strictly meet with our clients where they are, that that might mean that they, they prefer to have sessions by text or yeah. chat or telephone or by Zoom or in person. But it, it did feel as though that there was, um, uh, yeah, there, that it was a poor relation somehow. 
I don't think it was as though, I think it was directly stated. But yes, it's okay, but the gold standard mm. is meeting in person. And I think it is a different experience meeting in person as opposed to having an online session as opposed to having a phone session. However, mm. it still is and can be equally, if not more powerful because of that accessibility. Yes, the research shows that it's as, as effective with yeah. the outcome. And I suspect that that is down um, in the same way with all therapy, um, something around uh, what the client is comfortable with. That, and does that, that suggest there's a, a generational shift here between therapists who yes. are like you and me and are, I won't say dotage, but uh, coming up to 60, you know, uh, and the clients who've been born into the cyber age who've only ever known life with the internet and with the smartphone who talk to their friends all the time mm. who maybe have appointments who go to see the doctor who see other people online well i remember when i was uh uh younger and uh, <laughs> unattached that uh i could have quite deeper meaningful conversations on chat uh, chat sites with people that uh, it, it, it could be even then a, a, a place where you could have conversations which you might not have face to face or, or, or if it was someone that you'd only met once before you certainly wouldn't be having that in-depth type of conversation so I, I've always liked uh, the online uh, yeah, the online possibilities yeah so you started off talking about self and relationship. I'm conscious. I don't know whether I've pulled you away from that, or I think I probably have. So do you want to get well, back I, to? I, th I think we're we're still in a way talking about uh, the importance of us do doing what feels most comfortable. Uh, and so, in terms of the the, the easing of restrictions uh, and the changes, yeah, we can we can look and and we we obviously should read what the guidelines are and look at the information. Uh, but ultimately, uh, yes, we, we have responsibility for ourselves to, to keep ourselves safe and to, uh, and, and to yeah, function as best we can. So is this, in some senses, a very familiar place to be in the sense of what we're actually talking about? for ourselves as professionals working with our clients and with our family and friends, is this old thing called risk. And it's about mediating risk, it's about minimizing risk. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I think so, about consequences. Mm. Um, we'll have feelings about things. Uh, which gives us really good information and will probably generate thoughts automatically, but the opportunity for us to challenge our thinking, first of all, by challenging the thinking, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> saying, well, why am I thinking that? But then beyond that, to, to, to look at the consequences of different actions. So if I refuse to go back to work, um, what might the consequences be? Um, yeah. And there's also another consequence that pops into my head which is here we are talking about the coronavirus alert levels in the UK as presented by the UK government. 
Do we trust it? Uh, do we trust it? Well, I mean, do we do we trust anything that's presented externally? I, I suppose what I'm thinking that, uh, that our relationship with instructions and guidelines is always worth looking at, isn't it? I mean, there's again, there's there's laws. Uh, and if we break those laws, there are consequences. Um, Unless your name is Cummings, perhaps. Uh, or was that a breach of guidelines as opposed to law? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will, will we ever know? Will we ever know? It's get lost in the smog of other things. Um, so trust. Uh, well, I, I think we always uh, are, are best placed, really, to, to think about consequences of acting on external information. Are we, in a position as therapists, then, expected to have more information or better information or processes that help our clients um, come to a more safe, trusted decision or any decision i'm sure a lot of our clients in various guises come with issues about fear or procrastination habits that hold them in a safe place or a perceived safe place hmm. and as therapists were saying oh yes but if we go to the edges of your comfort zone if we go to the edges of this you know do you go out is wearing a face mask enough hmm. And it's wearing a face mask when I go out cycling is fine. I haven't yet gone on a tube with a face mask. Right. Right. And I, I was just thinking, because I, I wondered what um, it's like for people exercising with face masks that uh, must interfere somewhat with the amount of oxygen that is possible to, to, uh, <laughs> to, to get. So face masks during exercise may be more complicated for some people but um no my, my response i suppose to your question is that um what, what what we are hopefully expert in is helping somebody to to find their answer which is unique to their uniqueness um that we can have a, a range of opinions which maybe uh will help in uh, kind of measuring against because we, we 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 could say, well, what do you think about uh, only wearing a mask if you are indoors in in a public area? Uh, and then the person might say, well, yeah, no, that's all right. But what about in these situations? Well, okay. Well, what about for, for that? So we we can we can offer opinions, but ultimately what we're doing is helping someone to to get to their own position. In that case. Um have this image in your mind. Uh, there we are in our consulting room, and there are you with your client, mm. both wearing masks. Right, yes. What's that like? <laughs> yes, I, I've wondered about that. Um, yes, I've wondered about that. Yeah. I, and I've, I've, uh, I've thought, well, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, when the time comes, whether that's something that we do or don't do. So Nicholas, let's imagine that the time is here. So on this date, at this time, 
and uh, let's say that you decide to, to see clients. Mm. I guess one question is, will you demand or request that they wear a mask? Uh, or and or how might you respond if they demand? Yes, Nicholas, I'll come and see you, but we have to wear masks. Well, I can't, I can't say. I can't predict the future. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fantasise about the now. What's your, my sensation that comes in that says actually wearing a mask is probably okay in a big room, right? A smaller room mm. where we we can't get the two meters or at least the meter away. Mm. then I would be uncomfortable mm. and, and being in a room with a window closed and, and imagining all that, um, that um, spray, that potential mm. virus particles buzzing around, which normally, of course, they're all buzzing around anyway, but we are immune to them or our bodies can fight them. We don't think about it. Yeah. But when there is this virus that we may not be able to, or we may be able to be okay with it, and then we take it home to our family who may not be. Yeah. So I feel uncomfortable about being in a small room. In a larger room, perhaps that's not such a problem where mm. we can be, let's say, two metres away. Yes. What that means, though, is um, uh, we need to be able to operate in the moment to, to decide. So, for example... Um, I went to a funeral yesterday afternoon. The reason why that's relevant is, of course, a funeral is a very specific yep. kind of experience and environment. Uh, and uh, they were allowing 16 people into the, the service. Uh, and, of course, it's a place which is very controlled anyway. You're normally ushered around. And there's a sense that someone else manages the etiquette of, <laughs> Of, of the whole thing you know there is a kind of a performance in a way a absolutely of, yeah. um and so it's something that uh, you obviously have your own responsibility with in it and yet it's also contained by a, a structure so it was quite odd to go along and uh, i took a face mask with me and we went in through the doors in a socially distanced manner and the person on the door, I, I said about my face mask, and uh, she said, well, you can decide whether you keep it on or not when you, when you enter. Most people are taking them off. And there were two metre distances between everyone. Uh, and so I, I did take my mask off. But I was also aware that if somebody started coughing, my mask would have gone on quite quickly. <laughs> I wouldn't have taken the job. So... Um, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, you've just demonstrated one of the inaccurate beliefs about masks. Well, what's that? Because the mask is there to protect everybody else, not to protect you. Uh, well, I, 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 <laughs> I decided some time ago, uh, with work in mind as well, that I would prefer to have uh, medical masks. Uh, because I, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking about going back to, to work. And the thing that I thought I probably did need to decide sooner rather than later was about whether I would want to have masks in the future. Um, and if so, what kind of masks would I prefer to, to, to have? So I thought, well, I will get some medical masks. And so, yes, yeah, so they, 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 of course, are about protecting me as well as uh, protecting others. Well, I wonder if that's a really important issue 
regarding therapy and self and relationships. I'm putting on this mask as my care for you. Not I'm putting on this mask as a barrier against you. Mm. I'm putting it on so that if I have the virus, yeah. I'm not going to spread it to you. Mm. Rather than you're the one, I'm going to keep you at arm's length because you're the one who could be infecting me. Mm. I don't know as you think about those two positions whether that changes the, the here and now relationship, especially in the therapy. Well, I think, uh, it, 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 again, it's sort of inf for me, it's information. Um, so is somebody worrying about others or, or worrying about themselves and, and what's going, going on there? Um, yes, I, I, uh, because I haven't had an antibody test yet. Uh, I don't want to catch the virus if I haven't had it because my, my lungs were affected previously. So, um, yes, I, I don't want to infect others, but uh, I want to have a medical mask so that I'm protected and, until I know otherwise. So, yeah. But that also raises yet another question, which is you have a test. Mm. How long is that test viable for? Yes, they don't know yet. And they withdrew them, didn't they? They, they did have tests out there, which they withdrew subsequently because they found them to not be um, accurate enough. Well, not just accuracy. Let's presume that you have a 100% Oh, yes, what they test. actually mean. Yeah. yeah. So we test you and you're negative. Mm. And you go out. Half an hour later, you, you get infected, which won't show up for another, mm. possibly another week or so. Well, the information seems to change a lot on a daily basis yeah. as well. The, the yeah. hypotheses that people... Um, have and work on yes and I suppose as we get new and different information that changes how we feel about level of risk uh, and so we may operate slightly differently uh, that's stretching a point a bit too far here to breaking point possibly right and so that whole changing information as you rightly say where is about mm -hmm. uncertainty and we're we're dealing with it but there's also I guess changing information back to our tribes again and back to models of therapy and back to how we interact and, and whether one therapy is better than another therapy i wonder mm. how the public deal with that issue about well who do i go to yes is there any kind of parallel there or as i say am i stretching it to breaking point don't know that's <laughs> <laughs> another point for editing <laughs> well, maybe not it's, it's one of those bits of information that we deal with all the time and yet here is a coronavirus and we're kind of thinking this is different. And I'm just wondering whether it is as different as we think it is. Now, the consequences, of course, of catching COVID-19 might be more dramatic than going to the wrong therapist. Um, so maybe going back to your very initial point at the beginning, what are the priorities and how do we decide those priorities? So how to decide on the therapist to go to, or the therapy to go for. Yeah. And here we are talking about masks and changing information. Mm. And how do we deal with, you know, the changing decision-making process in, if not between therapies, therapists, maybe even within the therapeutic process itself? Well, from, from uh, an existential perspective, I suppose, working existentially, that, um, that uh, whether, whether there's a need for some, 
uh, a need for a more directive focus or more of a focus on the past or the, the future, uh, then that's, that all fits with, with, within that. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Mm, and you said uh, early on that you, uh, you like to be in the moment rather than thinking too far ahead. And uh, we're coming up to time because there's a part of me looking ahead. So I'm right. wondering. <laughs> and I'm currently looking backwards thinking, oh, I wonder what I might have said earlier on about that. Or uh, why am I still thinking about that other experience? That uh, So, yes. And, uh, and then also thinking, oh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't think of an answer to that question. So what's that about? So, yes, interesting. Mm. Do you have any conclusions or have, has this experience over the last three months confirmed issues or beliefs for you or has it changed mm. beliefs in your working practices? Well, I'm, I'm left thinking about um, how, yes, I experience you as being someone who, um, who, who does look forward and is, is, uh, is pragmatic uh, and, uh, yes, yeah, some forward directionality, if that's a, a good word, and, and how I do like to stay in the moment <laughs> and uh, thinking that, uh, yeah, both of those are good, no? <laughs> well, yeah. And, 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 as far as I know, but for me anyway. And do you think that um, the situation we find ourselves in now from lockdown, or initially concern and then lockdown and now unlock, mm. from four to three, has that, does that enhance your view of, of being in the now? Or does it give you a, do you want to shift the balance slightly? All I notice, I'm a bit annoyed that um, that things keep changing because <laughs> there's a bit of me that thinks, oh no, I've got to read something else now and uh, I've got to process something else. So I'm going to have more feelings and thoughts to think through. C can you just leave me alone for a day or two? <laughs> well, that reminds me that I think that uh, up until, I don't know, up until... Thatcher, possibly Tony Blair, possibly John Major, we were working in a consensus environment largely. Mm. Now we're working with people uh, with Brexit and all the rest of it who are wanting to go at a, a, a cracking pace of change. And, and the virus has come in and has upset or added to all that. Mm. And it's not something we can, we have to respond to it or react to it, whereas we could plan, I guess political change and therapeutic change. Now we're having to add in biological change. I have to think about I have to think about that. I was wondering if I had experienced a change in in how I relate to government. Uh, yeah, and I hadn't really thought about that. I'm not certain if I've if I've experienced that or if I would say that myself. Mm. And that so may be your focus as opposed to my focus. Yes, that's something about um, uh, yes, well, we're, where we where we put our I say where we put our focus in in life and mm. what we 
what we um, what we think about because of course government is um, sort of authority isn't it yeah. um, and so our relationship with authority yeah uh, and uh, yeah yeah so interesting I was uh, I think that's a whole new conversation yeah, in that case anything that you want to end on today having had this conversation any reflections in the now reflections in the now Mm. Um, I suppose feeling quite tired when I think about how much, uh, not about living in, in the moment and taking things step by step, but that comment I made about the information keep coming through that the speed of which, the speed of uh, and the quantity of things that have needed to pay attention to, I think is quite exhausting. Um, and so, yeah, we've got to keep going. Um, but maybe, maybe, yeah, we need to keep an eye on how, how we're doing as well, how tired we are and, and make allowances for that both in ourselves and with our clients, I guess. <laughs> and our family and friends. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And maybe even our politicians. Let's <laughs> not go too far. <laughs> yes, well, they, they did sign up for it, didn't they? <laughs> that's, another, that's another issue. I can fade it out at that point, I think. Yeah, yeah, edit that bit out. <laughs> Good. Yeah, all right. Thank you for downloading our podcast. In our next podcast, we'll be talking about boundaries. What are they for? Who sets them? What happens when they are broken? And how best to negotiate them? Thank you for downloading our podcast, Therapists Talking Therapy.